Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH streaming on the KTTH smartphone app. If you don't have it, that's a mistake. You should download it immediately. President Trump has a partisan judge who doesn't want to be called out for being partisan, and that is what's trending. What's trending in Trumplandia? Now, it's not always a great idea to call out the judge who runs your case, judge who's in charge, because they're in charge, and you want to make sure that you can maintain a good relationship, a working relationship, don't create resentment. Don't give them any reason to side against you merely because you're attacking them nonstop. And they're not supposed to take these things personally, but they are still human beings. But when it's believed to be your only option, then I suppose you do it. And in the case of Judge Tanya Chunkin, he's 100% correct to be concerned. 100% correct to be concerned, which is why he's criticizing her in ways that I don't think go over the line. At least I haven't seen anything that I think go over the line. Now, Judge Chutkin oversaw sentencing of one January 6th defendant where in her ruling, in her decision, didn't even attempt to hide her partisanship. She's seen as a judge who has gone the hardest on the January 6th defendants. And the former president in his Truth Social post criticizing her, and we'll tell you what he said in a second, included a link or a a photo of one of her rulings. And the pertinent position of the judge is alarming. She said, the people who mobbed that Capitol were there in fealty in loyalty to one man, not to the Constitution, of which most of the people who come before me seem woefully ignorant, not to the ideals of this country, and not to the principles of democracy. It's a blind loyalty to one person who, by the way, remains free to this day. Now she's talking about Trump. If you're Donald Trump and you realize she said that in a court... In a courtroom, are you a little nervous about whether or not she can be impartial? Yeah, I would be. Just a little tiny yeah. bit, maybe? Now, it's obviously possible that she can, in fact, be impartial as a judge, despite her clear biases. Right? We can all, it, it's within all of us. But when you say something that dramatic, implying that Donald Trump should be in jail and you are now the judge of a case that could land him in jail, you should very clearly and obviously step down. 100%. You should recuse yourself. And as of right now, she hasn't. So that's why he called her highly partisan and in all caps, very biased and unfair. I think he's right. I think he's right. The reason why this particular post is all of a sudden getting a lot of attention, a post that was made early this morning, is because last week she had ruled that if he, or really anyone, but if he makes, quote, 
inflammatory statements about this particular case and about the evidence around it, that she could put a protective order barring him from saying virtually anything. Now, the reason why she might do that is to prevent jury pool intimidation. Now, there certainly wasn't anything in this particular statement that went over the line if you don't think the last statement that landed him in front of this judge or his team in front of the judge went over the line. Because the last one was, if you essentially, if you come after me, I'm going to go after you. Something like that. Now, if that's not over the line, which I don't think it's over the line, I think very clearly he wasn't talking to jurors. He was talking to politicians. I think that's, I think that's obvious in the context. But if that didn't go over the line, then this one didn't. She obviously wants me behind bars, very biased and unfair. Yeah, I, I agree with him. He's 100% correct in saying that. But if you're Joe Scarborough, you're basically saying, oh, he's threatening the judge. Donald Trump, again, thinks that he's fighting a fight against the New York Post in 1977. He thinks he's fighting against Marco Rubio in the 2016 uh, primary election. He thinks he thinks he's fighting against clueless people like you and me on on news that they can set up as as you know set up straw men and knock them down. Hmm. He think oh okay thanks Joe. Now again, while I think she should recuse herself, I will say this in fairness to the judge on this particular issue, whether or not you're going to have a protective order. She is in a nearly impossible position. And arguably, that's a bigger reason why she should recuse herself, because her response to this is going to be seen as political either way. If she moves in with a protective order, she's interfering with a presidential election, and she's going after the leading candidate for not just the nomination from the Republican side, but he would win the presidency if the election were held today based on the polling. From an electoral college perspective, he would win. And so she would be saying on an issue that is political, that is clearly part of the campaign. These indictments, not just this one, but all of them and the forthcoming Georgia one that looks like it's going to happen soon. You're interfering with an election. You're stopping a candidate from speaking about a political issue that can hurt or help him. His response to what's going on can help him. A lack of response can hurt him. And if she does that, if she moves with that protective order, which she already said she's very close to doing, that would be unheard of. Well, Jason, it's never been the case where uh, the leading uh, presidential candidate was indicted. Yeah, that's also true. That part's true. But we are telling a candidate he can't speak on a major campaign issue. Why not, as we're at it, say, hey, Joe Biden, you can't talk about Hunter Biden because that'll certainly help him. Oh, he's already not talking about Hunter, pretending it's not an issue. Now, if she doesn't move forward with a protective order, two things. Again, if I'm playing devil's advocate and trying to be fair here. Number one, if she doesn't get involved, someone will say, why? Because he's the former president and it's an election. Now you're giving him special treatment because he's in the middle of a campaign. The law is supposed to be blind. Justice is supposed to be blind. You're not supposed to consider that. You're supposed to only look at the facts. And number two, because you're not going after him and shutting him up, he's intimidating some potential jurors. 
saying he's going to go after the people who go after him, that could be, thanks to the media twisting the words around, that could be taken as a direct attack on jurors. You better not go after me because I'm going to come after you. You've seen my army of unarmed insurrectionists. They'll come to your home. She would face that criticism from folks on the left and maybe some folks down the middle. And so she's in an impossible position. But because she has tainted herself by the past statements about Donald Trump, she has to step down. How she hasn't made that decision is remarkable to me. And please spare me the nonsense about how she's an amazing judge. She's above board. No, sorry. If she were above board, she would have not made those comments originally. And she would have stepped down by now. Now, eventually, there's going to be a motion to remove her. I don't trust the NBC News analyst that I saw today who said, oh, that comment that she made is not enough. I I don't know. I saw most of the practice, the good seasons. And so I'm kind of on the fence about this. And there was that one Law & Order episode. It was just a little bit. The writing was very muddy. I wasn't quite following the legal argument. So I can't say that I'm up to speed on that particular piece of the law but just from a basic fairness perspective why give off the appearance of bias wouldn't you want in a case like this when there are such incredible implications and stakes why not just get rid of someone get rid of yourself when you could taint all of this doesn't make sense unless you're an ideologue who's out to get him and actually want to put him in jail which you basically foreshadowed when you made those comments. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? Weather apocalypse Mageddon. So it turns out, let me check. Yep, it's still hot. In Bellevue, it's 91 degrees. Milton, the gem of Pierce County, 88. Folks got some some breeze and some relief over in Anacortes, only 80 on account of that water thing. So they're doing pretty good. But unfortunately, because it's hot, everyone is looking for ways to stay cool. And we have them. Jason Rance presents innovative ways to stay cool during Heat Mageddon. Don't get too hot. Now back to the Jason Rance Show. That's, again, sometimes the most obvious tips. Staring you right in the face. And that's what I do. I point out. Some Sometimes some just very obvious tips. It's hot. What's the underlying condition? The heat. Yeah. Okay. Don't get hot. It's great advice. Just saying, stay out of the heat. Isn't that an easy way to... I mean, everyone makes it so complicated. Well, you could have done that the other day. Open, open your third window. Every third window you should open. And you should have your fan all the way in the attic pointing at a 45-degree angle... To the right of the open window and create a funnel. I mean, don't walk through it because it could, it's a cyclone. It could throw you all over the place, but it'll keep your house cool. But also, you have to open your door sometimes, not always. Just keep it open about 17 minutes every hour, and then your house will cool. Science or something. That checks out. Yeah, no, I did the research. Push the button. What's trending? Stuck in traffic. So now we find out that sound transit light rail repair is going to last into mid-September. They are fixing, due to their own incompetence, 
track that is sinking. It is quite literally sinking. How this happened, I don't know. I haven't seen a direct answer. The implication is constantly because of incompetence. They don't know what it is they're doing. We are talking about sound transit after all, aren't we? Could you name a single project that they've ever done that was on time and on budget? I mean, go go into the history of sound transit. Find those programs and no, 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 or projects. And no, you cannot try to do what they do, which is change the timeline of the project once they're late, create a new one, and then hit it. That does not count as being on budget or on time. It's like, oh, we're going to change our budget now. And then come in under that number. Yeah, that's not on budget. Oh, we're going to add an extra three and a half months to the project and then come in three months later. Oh, we're on we're on time. No, no, no. <laughs> no, sorry. We're not restarting the clock every single time you want us to. One line service is going to be reduced from August 12th through the 20th. So we're in the middle of this now. We're not in the middle, almost. Between Capitol Hill and Soto. And then again, near the Othello and Rainier Beach stations between August 21st and September 17th. So pretty much everyone who uses sound transit for the airport is going to be very, 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 very much hosed until when was it? September 17th. Now, my flight is on September 24th, so... I dodged a bullet and don't really care about the suffering of other people because I'm deeply selfish and a bad person. However, if I wasn't deeply selfish and a bad person, I would look at this, especially if you're a tourist coming into town, not really knowing what's going on, and you hop on light rail. Not only are you now dealing with the abundance of homeless people who might stab you to death, but then to be let out in Soto of all places, the worst possible place. To be let out of sound transit. Like, that's the most dangerous area for sound transit. That and, and arguably Westlake. At least half of Westlake. To get on a bus that we're supposed to pretend is going to be on time every 10, what was it, every 10 or 15 minutes, the bus is going to be picking you up. Then you're going to have to lug your your luggage on there. And, of course, they tell you, make sure you have a, enough time to get around. Mick, talking with Cairo 7 TV, said, I'm responsible. We made plans to get here super early, so I, if, if I was running late, then it would probably annoy me, yes. That really added to the story. And, you know, sometimes I give a hard time to reporters who do man-on-the-street audio because it's just filler. That one was great. He basically said... If I was caught off guard, which is the whole focus of the story, I would have been upset, but I wasn't. Now, was that the only person they could find? They could not find someone who was annoyed? Because I'm willing to bet there were a ton. Sure. But this was the first person they talked to. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending in Tacoma? Tacoma City Council position number eight is up for grabs. And with the amount of time we spend talking about some of the issues facing Tacoma, Figured we would jump into that race. Joining me on the line is one of the candidates, Todd Brisky. Todd, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Your website makes it pretty clear and, and easy to understand where you think the city is going wrong or at least needs some some help. 
First one is pave our roads. Second one is reduce 911 call response times. And then number three, build enough shelter beds to eliminate homelessness. So take us through. I don't normally think of paving the roads of Tacoma as, as one of the bigger issues. Yeah, so our my whole thing is all about I just want a functional city. Yeah. So uh, our roads down here in Tacoma are pretty bad. And it's just one of the signs of which way the city is going. If you can't keep paved roads, how are you going to really tackle the more difficult stuff? Mm -hmm. So basically getting down to just the 101. And if we can't do 101, we're not going to do anything else. Absolutely. So second one, obviously, around public safety. I would prefer that the 911 calls are down uh, because of no crime. So what, what's the plan, do you think? What, what do you think is the underlying reason you're seeing such a significant surge, in particular, juvenile crime? Yeah, so the reason why I decided to run for council in the first place was I took part in the uh, Citizens Academy here for the city of Tacoma. And they took us through, like, all the different divisions Seeing how few patrol officers we actually have out on the street at any one time was uh, a little unnerving to me. Yeah. And so seeing that in the last um, departmental outcomes for the previous budget, our priority one response times were 10 minutes and our priority four response times were 20 minutes or two hours Mm -hmm. average. And so we need to get staffing up to whatever level. I would like to cut both those in half. Like, I think five minutes for a prior to one average response time, fairly reasonable. And unfortunately, I think juvenile crime, that's that's a Washington State issue that hopefully we can try to deal with here in the city of Tacoma, but all the rules and regulations that they put on top of us, not being able to uh, question them and all those problems, not uh, being able to identify them properly. Uh, That one's, that one's a tough one, but we do see all the stolen Kias and robberies and everything. And it's always juveniles with guns. It's a big problem. Well, you, obviously you're right that the issues, at least I agree, the underlying issues there do come from the state. But you still have to deal with it on the ground level in Tacoma is is basically what you're saying. We just need more cops and that will go after this this culture of lawlessness. That'll go a long way. Like a lot of these quick smash your car into the storefront and grab as much stuff as possible. If we can get the response times down, at least there's a chance that we can get to them before they get to their car and then they're home free because they just drive off. But I think just having a a more of a police presence, hopefully that will start to get to some of these uh, problematic situations that we found ourselves in. You say build more or create more beds to end homelessness. Beds are not going to end homelessness, but it it does bring people inside. So, number one, where do you plan on on 
putting these additional resources and what happens in a perfect world for you after someone who's homeless goes into a shelter? Yeah, so I'm not a big fan of the housing first plans or anything like that. I want to get people off the streets in the shelter as fast as possible and then get them into mental health services, Mm -hmm. get them into drug treatment services uh, as fast as possible. Uh, We have our 10 block radius uh, camping bans around established shelters. Uh, So we should be able to, in places that want to cut down on the encampments, we should be able to put an established shelter there. And then we'll have a a larger radius of uh, places that are not campable. But I'm all about streamlining the process, having a single process, not having uh, purchasing hotels over here, having the, the tiny home shelters over here. I want a single process to get them into the system, get them into services, and then we can start to send folks to different places based on their particular needs. Last question for you. You're going up against Christina Walker. There was quite a big gap between you and, and the incumbent. She's also the deputy mayor. How do you close that gap? What's the plan? Yeah, so that's going to be me with my sign walking all up and down the streets of Tacoma trying to meet and talk to as many folks as possible. Uh, I noticed that the uh, neighborhoods that I did best in were like South and East Tacoma, Mm -hmm. uh, Lincoln District. Those are the areas that have been most affected by the uh, crime problems and the housing problems and all this kind of stuff. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time just walking the streets, trying to meet as many folks as possible. There you go. For anyone who wants to learn more about this campaign, toddbrisky.com, B-R-I-S-K-E, toddbrisky.com. We wish you the best of luck, Todd. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. When we come back, it's time for The Big Local. Or in person at the station during regular business hours. Don't call me Mercer Island, Des Moines. This is the big local on the Jason Ranch Show. Shoreline, Woodenville, Burien. Stories about you, not about Seattle. Hey, look at that, 4.30 on a weekday afternoon. That means it's time for the big local. Brought to you by Alpine Specialty Services. Online at alpineclean.com. This is the part of the show where we completely ignore stories coming out of Seattle. And instead, we focus all of our attention on the communities you live in and care about most. We start in Federal Way, where it's 90 degrees, because I have a follow-up. Remember that story with Denise Yoon? She is a Democrat Federal Way City Council candidate. She's on the campaign trail with a message of protecting businesses from crime. She's going to fight for you, only she was accused of shoplifting. Yeah. So after we learned of the shoplifting allegation, we, of course, reached out to the owner of the Ace Hardware store where the shoplifting allegedly occurred. And I said, I want to see 
the actual surveillance. So he sent me the surveillance. I posted it over at KTTH.com. I hope you will check it out. And then the owner was on to explain what happened. What, what went on with this Denise Yoon character over at your Ace Hardware? So then in the video, you'll see me walk by and then I turn around and I directly ask her. I said, ma'am, is it okay if I look in your purse? And she said, absolutely not. And she went to go grab like the purse to hold it. And I said, well, I want to grab what you took from me. So I reached into her purse and pulled out a hammer. Yeah, she allegedly stole hammers. He was able to recover the one. She walked out allegedly with two others. He said the next day she came back and offered a $200 donation. Or maybe it wasn't the next day. It was a few days later. And he said, donation, get out of here. And he chased her off. Something along those lines. So I originally said, is it possible that her excuse was legitimate? Her excuse was, because she admits that she was there. This is her in the video. She says she put the hammers in her bag or hammer in her bag because she was scared it was going to fall and hit her toe. Or her foot. Which, in fairness, I would not want a hammer to hit my toe or foot. And I recalled, I can't remember if it actually happened to me or if I'm stealing this from my cousin Vinny, but I had put something into my pocket while carrying something in a store. I had too much stuff and I felt like I was going to drop it, so I put it in my store. Or in my store. I put it in my pocket, paid for it, didn't get accused of anything. And then went on my merry way, only to then get pulled over by cops and then accused of murdering the clerk. That that one, that was my cousin. That part's my cousin, Vinny. I'm, that, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I believe that was in the movie. I mean, if it, it could have happened to you as well. I, it's all very hazy, yeah. my time in college. So I was like, okay, I, I kind of get maybe. Because it didn't really make sense to me that she had wooden stakes in her cart that she presumably were going, she was going to pay for them. So why would she steal, you know, cheap hammers? It doesn't make any sense. But it turns out it maybe does make sense because there's more to the story. She has been accused of this before. A few times. In fact, she pleaded guilty to second degree attempted theft for something that happened on September 18th, 2000 at the Nordstrom over at Bellevue Square Mall. Loss prevention staff said they saw her going into the fitting rooms with a Nordstrom bag and a whole bunch of merchandise, clothing. And when she exited, they didn't know where all that stuff went. Where'd the merchandise go? And so they followed her a bit. She ends up going and paying for one dress, almost like paying for the wooden stakes. And then they search her bag for $1,451 worth of, of goods. So she ended up pleading guilty to that. I've got the court document on our website. Now, the Federal Way Mirror reports that she lost her nursing license. It was suspended. She's a nurse. Back in, 20, in 2003, after pleading guilty to second-degree theft in Tacoma at a Bon Marche, 
And her license ended up getting reinstated a few years later, 2018. So actually quite a few years later. And then the conviction was vacated in 2020. I'm almost certain I saw a third incident that I haven't been able to corroborate, but I kind of believe it. I'm not saying this is her. But if all of this is true, doesn't it seem like kleptomania? Definitely seems that way. Right? And and let's, for the sake of argument, say that's true. And I'm not making allegations. I, I Obviously, I do not know this. And she emailed me back one time when I asked her if she wanted to do an interview. And she basically said, maybe tell me about your audience. And I responded by saying, they're very good looking and smart. And every single one lives in federal way. And they're all Democrats. And she never got back to me. Um, if that's true, and she is in fact a kleptomaniac, I do kind of feel sorry for her. Because that's... A mental illness. You feel compelled to do this. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be, uh, shouldn't escape any punishment for your behavior. It doesn't mean that she should be considered a viable candidate. I would never vote for a kleptomaniac, but I do feel sympathy for a kleptomaniac the same way I would feel sympathy for someone who's an alcoholic or a gamble, uh, a gambling addict. They just can't stop. Like, okay, I. I can understand that position. I can't stop looking at my air and mirrors. I'm not quite at the place of of addiction level, despite multiple people telling me, and they all got me together one day and said they were really concerned about it. But I eat again, hazy. I, I I feel for her if if that's true. Yeah, and I mean those incidents are a fair amount of time ago. There's not a ton of really anything recently, so you do feel a little well, bit bad for that. Recently. That she has not. Well, been, yes, that's you know she might have uh, yeah, done it, understand, but haven't, understand. Been, hasn't been caught. But yeah, I do understand having some degree of sympathy for, her, but also probably not wanting to vote for her. Oh, don't get me wrong. I think she should go to jail for life. But I'm saying out. No, I'm kidding. Of course, I would never vote for her. I am super curious if this story got around federal way. To the point where people are actually talking about it. And I never, I can never really tell. I know, I think it's Stand Up Federal Way, one of the Federal Way Facebook groups. I know they're all over it, but those groups have a tendency to be folks who are just like hyper focused on the local issues and that's, they spend a lot of time on it, which is awesome for them, but that's not the norm. Most people aren't as hyper focused on their communities the way some of these groups are on Facebook, much to their disservice that they're not paying close attention because. I imagine this would disqualify her as someone they'd consider if they knew about it. So I am kind of curious whether or not it's getting out there. Well, Clyde Shavers won an election, so anything's possible. Yeah, that's, and his was way worse. Yeah, to that's, me, that's, that's way definitely worse. worse. Clyde Shavers is definitely worse than this. Lied about his military record. <laughs> like, my God. But if you want to read this and see the video, head on over to KTTH.com or text the keyword rants, R-A-N-T-Z, to one 800 465 8770, I'll send you a link. The Renton reporter says that the Brewmaster's tap room is still dealing with some anger and some clear crazies because they host a monthly drag queen story time and bingo event. Now, you'll recall last time we talked about them, I think was during Easter. It was around that time. They and, and several other uh, tap rooms and coffee shops and cafes were hosting these events. They do it because they want to make a point of their support. It's a giant virtue signal. We're pretending that it's interesting, but it's not. But they do it anyway. And they've been doing it every single 
I think every single weekend or every single month. And for the most part, haven't really paid attention, hasn't gotten any attention until this weekend where apparently there was a bomb threat made to both the tap room and the owner's home. And it ended up forcing the tap room to be closed down for a few hours and the drag queen story hour to be postponed. Now, in this case, unless I'm misunderstanding this, has nothing to do with kids. This one was for adults. Not that a bomb threat is ever appropriate because it very clearly is not. And whomever is responsible, I hope you get caught and go to jail. But at least I understand anger around the the kids being involved. I don't understand the anger around just drag queen story hour if it's for adults. What do you care? Like at that point, what do you... I, I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't find it entertaining. But there is a huge difference between doing this for adults and doing it for kids. And again, a bomb threat is clearly never appropriate. And what this moron did is allow folks on the left who defend children being involved in drag shows. It allows them to lump every single critic into the crazy group because of an event like this. That's all that this does. It unnecessarily creates tension and stress and fear as much as even when it comes to drag queens and, and kids. I don't think that that's an appropriate way to debate the issue. It's not illegal. Should it be? It's obviously subjective, but it's not. At least most of these things clearly aren't. You can have a discussion, a debate. You can be an activist. You should sound the alarms if you feel like it. You should protest if you want. But obviously this goes too far. And that is clearly what motivated this individual or individuals, because there's an email that was sent to the owner of this tap room and the Renton reporter printed it. And in part, because I can't read some of it, the subject line is, subject line is we placed bombs. Well, at least he gets right to the point, I guess. Imagine getting that. Would you open it or would you assume that's spam? I would assume that's spam. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I would open it. Renton PD, and it's directly to Renton PD, and he mentions other people. You are gutless cowards. You have the ability to arrest these child abusers and protect children, but you won't. Who is even worse are the bleeping parents who think it's okay to expose their children to this filth. There is nothing more vile and disgusting than the violation of a child's innocence. Well, no, there are definitely things that are worse than that, but it is bad. It's been known for the entirety of human civilization that the innocence of children needs to be protected. Also, I don't know if that's historically true. I don't think they definitely, in Roman times, they definitely didn't. You not only allow these children to be exposed to sexually deviant performances, but you actively encourage it. And even push it upon us. Yeah, not that I want to critique this entire screed, but that's also just not true. You are worthless. I can't say the rep. I can't say that. Definitely can't say that. You have forfeited your right to life. I'm not going to stand idly by as you can't say that. Destroy our civilization with this degeneracy. I rather it should be I'd 
die than live in a country where it's acceptable to allow pedophiles who dress up as women prey upon children. Your time will come. So, obviously unhinged. Obviously unhealthy. Obviously someone who doesn't understand this particular event at the Brewmaster's Tap Room. It goes on to say that they put... We place bombs at the Brewmaster's tap room as well as the owner's home. If this doesn't end, we will kill. And then he lists who he would kill. And it also says, evacuate the surrounding areas. We placed enough fertilizer bombs to make the Oklahoma City bombings look like a firecracker. Yeah, so you're mentally unstable. And hopefully they catch this guy or people uh, who are responsible. Because that's just clearly, disgustingly over the line. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. 1-800-465-8770. You get to pick the next story. Story number one. The subject of the blindside film says, actually, that whole adoption was totally a lie. Or story number two. Skittles' new packaging has some calling to boycott. Give it the Budweiser treatment. What did they do? Which story? 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. the topic on the Jason Rand show. Indeed you do and you want to talk about a movie from 2009, one that most of us forgot actually existed. In fact, we forgot about Michael Oher, is that how you say his name? Or or I like Oher. Just I'm just saying. Okay, okay. Just, I'm, you asked me how to I, say no it one and asked, I told you. Fine. Or uh, he or says that the adoption by the Tui family was a lie. And he was cut out of money from the movie, which is why he's saying the story is a lie. I don't believe anything coming from Michael Orr. Why? Because he had many, 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 many years to tell us the truth and chose to do so now. They say he alleges NBC alleges that the couple who took him in as a teenager misled him into believing they were adopting him and instead placed him in a conservatorship, according to a court filing Monday. The petition to terminate the conservatorship says, The lie of Michael's adoption is one upon which co-conservators Leanne Tuohy and Sean Tuohy have enriched themselves at the expense of their ward. The undersigned Michael Orr. So he's kind of in a Britney Spears situation, it sounds like, which what she was in with her father. They say the film apparently was all based on a lie. The Tuohys negotiated a deal with 20th Century Fox that left Orr without any payment for the rights to his name. Well, that makes sense because I just called him Oher. No one's going to know how to spell his name. Likeness and life story, while the Tui family received a contract price of $225,000, in addition to, and this is where the real money came in, 2.5% of the film's net proceeds. Uh, That movie made over $300 million. Just, I'm just saying. On top of that, they say a $200,000 donation was also made to the Tui's charitable foundation. Or, or, oh her, made no money off the film, according to the petition, which was released after he completed his college career and would not have impacted his NCAA eligibility. 
He does not recall signing an agreement for the rights to his life story. The document has a signature that appears to be his, but, quote, nobody ever presented this document to him without with any explanation. He might believe this. Let's just give him the benefit of the doubt. But he was a kid who was going through a lot, and he probably doesn't realize what was presented to him. Which is not necessarily his fault, right? Kids are kids. And how old was he at the time? He was... 16? Yeah, 15, 16, 16, something like that. that. So I'm not going to expect him to understand any of this. And if he's in a conservatorship, the Tuies do get to sign contracts on his behalf. It's... That's how it works. There's something else here that's, I think, motivating this. He obviously shouldn't be in a conservatorship anymore. That I don't know why he would be. He's out of the NFL. Did he, he had a reasonable career, didn't he? Eight-year career. Yeah. yeah, it started a lot of games. Yeah, so I'm assuming he should be financially. $35 million career earnings. I will say that doesn't always mean anything with athletes who spend, like, crazy right i mean yeah but still but i mean that's a I'm decent assuming, chunk of change yeah i'm assuming didn't completely blow it all there's no doubt people had to have purchased his jerseys and whatnot as a result of that dumb movie and yeah it wasn't a good movie sandra bullock won because everyone liked her she's likable and she is a great actress but that was not the movie to give it to her for should have been practical magic when she was a witch with nicole kidman and she put some spell over i think it was harry connick jr but i don't quite remember could have been lyle lovett I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, Practical Magic was great. No, I've never heard of that until just now. The Blind Side was not a good movie. It's too on the note. It kind of reminds me of The Help. Because it was so just obvious. I could have written everything. What was the, um, oh my God, the artist. No one saw that one, actually. Half the movies now that win Best Picture... I could write the script. I know exactly. Uh, when they're written off of a book, it makes it easier. But it's just so obvious, everything that happens. And you know what? A little too white nighty for me. I didn't like that. The Tuies, shame. I'm, no, never mind. I'm on Michael, Michael Orr's side. I'm on his side now. Take the money back. 1-800-465-8774. Your text.